The following contains spoilers for recent Marvel productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in the cinematic madness. I thought I was going to say multiverse. You failed. My name is Danny Vincent, and with me always is Tyler Borland. That's right, I'm Tyler Borland, and this week we discuss Papa Pizza always getting his money. This week, we are talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, as directed by the one and the only Sam Raimi. But first, we have an update, right, Danny? Yes, our final Morbius update. Uh, now, Tyler, have you checked the movie times by you? Because if you haven't, don't worry. I've checked by me, and I live in Chicago, where we get movies forever. Uh, and Morbius <laughs> is no longer playing. Yeah, I don't think Morbius is playing anywhere near me. Which either. means we will unfortunately not be doing the Morbius episode. Aww. Uh, we will pay back Joe Schrimmer and Kevin Lau. Thank you for your donations. We are sorry to let you down. Maybe someday in this, maybe some world in this intimate multiverse of ours, there exists a reality where we covered Morbius multiple times. Unfortunately, this is the one where we covered it. Not at all. All right, time for Rapid Fire Trailer. This is the part of the show where we go to a movie. When we go to a movie, you get trailers. So we're going to go through the trailers one at a time. I will start with my first three. Um, that I saw, actually saw the movie twice. I'll get into why in my general thoughts. Um, so I'll give the three that I got to Tyler didn't first, and then Tyler will read off the ones, the other five that we all got. Alright, so my first trailer was, oh, and to be clear, so I'll also get into this when we talk about more, but even though I got, air quotes, these first two trailers, I was getting popcorn during these first two trailers. However, I've seen these trailers before, so I'm still going to comment on them, because why not? First trailer I got was for Thrilling Bloody Sword. This is a grindhouse movie from the 80s, 35mm print at the music box. Uh... Sure, I probably won't see it because they're probably going to have it at one showtime at midnight, and I am currently like dying of a lack of calorie intake, so I'm probably not going to stay up to midnight to watch a movie where I can't even get popcorn. Next is Men, a horror movie about men. I don't know why a man is directing it. It looks bad. I hated Annihilation Next Machina. Same director as them. Finally, I got Bullet Train, which I think looks like solid fun, but I wish we got a, I want a Red Band trailer to see the action because it's by the John Wick director, and I'm sure the action is crazy. Yeah, Tyler, I made you watch the Bullet Train trailer separate. That is a tongue twister. Bullet Train trailer separately. Uh, what did you think of Bullet Train? I think that it looks like a lot of fun. I I like Brad Pitt in these type yeah. of roles, and I'm excited to see him. Uh, in that and it coming from director of John Wick, uh, I'm just really, I, yeah, it, it's very intriguing to see, to have that combination on screen. So we'll see what we get there. All right. Uh, you go. All right. So 
once again, I got a trailer about a man and not a toy. Also known as Bud Lightyear, the unvaccinated astronaut. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure unvaccinated. I've never, I've never told you that joke. I've never, never told you that joke. What? <laughs> About the unvaccinated. I think Buzz looks like he'd be unvaccinated. He looks like the type of person to be like, my body, my freedom. I don't have to get a vaccine. It's going to just kill me. You know, he looks like that type of person. I, that's just what his character design is. Uh, and if I'm offending any of our listeners, good. Turn off the podcast. We don't want you. <laughs> oh, ouch. I, <laughs> Sorry. I want, yeah. I, want, I want you. Come back. Come back. No, well, you're not worth it. You're not worth it. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I, I just, I, I just recently, I don't know what it was. I, I was like really tired and I was like, light year. My hero, Bud Lightyear. And I've, I've never had Bud Light. Um, That's my Bud. Bud Lightyear. But, but yeah, I'm like, Bud Lightyear. And I'm like, it needs to be about he's going to space to save beer. Like, we can no longer grow uh, wheat or barley on that, Earth. Is that, that is the plot <laughs> of Interstellar, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> this movie seems like it's Interstellar anyway. It looks like it's but Interstellar. But yeah, our hero is Bud Lightyear, who has to go to space. To go grow wheat and barley to make hops for beer. That that's my type of Pixar film right there. Um, uh, but anyways, will you see uh, Lightyear? Of course I will. But I will say this about this trailer: How dare they remove the Starman soundtrack that's been on all the other trailers to replace with this generic action music? Disappointing. That's, that's what's different about it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because all the other trailers have been like, yeah, it's a star. Man, it's been like, ooh, that's cool. Epic yeah. trailer, David Bowie. And then this is just like, nope, it's just generic music. Which, knowing the composer, does not surprise me. Sorry, Geech. Batman Wait. still doesn't give you total redemption. <laughs> Stick with Batman. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll I'll see this one, of course. Um, the more and more that I see of the movie, I'm kind of like in the trailers, I'm like, stop, stop showing me stuff. I yeah, I, I'm getting less it. and less interested the more they show me. I'm yeah, just like, just, and I, just let me see it. Let, like, let me go into the current level of hype. Don't keep lowering. It. And I, <laughs> okay. I understand their their main thing is like they're wanting to bring in the kids for it. So they're like, show more that the kids are gonna like it. But I think that you show what like the little teaser that we had. I think kids are gonna be like, oh wait, is that that about that toy from Toy Story four? And then. The dad's going to be like, Holy no, Lord. son, that is about the man, not the toy. Uh, I actually heard, spoiler alert, I guess, apparently the movie opens with like, I don't know if it's a Star Wars crawl or like a Blade Runner thing, where they literally open with like a text card that says, this is the movie that Andy would have seen before he got his buzz doll. And I'm like, you really don't trust your audience then if that's actually on the movie. It's pretty obvious. We're just making fun of Chris Levin's tweet this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on. What about Thor 4, Dude, Where's My Hammer? We already did a reaction to this. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah, looks good. Real good. What about Jurassic World Dominion? Uh, my thoughts on this is that I'm pretty sure it'll be just as bad as all the other ones. I actually walked in halfway through this trailer, so I don't even know the first half of the trailer. I actually like the first trailer more where it implied that literally all of the stuff of the original three was separate from Chris Pratt and that... Because I'll be honest, 
if there was a cut with just those three, I'm I'm willing to. I said this during my our Spider-Man episode. I'm okay with nostalgia if it's upfront about it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what I don't not into is like making adding this nostalgia. Okay, let's be real. I would have. I was about to say adding this nostalgia to an inferior product, but even if this was just a Jurassic World sequel, Justice Three, it would probably be an inferior product. But. I don't know. I'll probably see it because I see everything unless the reviews are like absolutely rancid. I will not see this one. Um, still haven't seen the other two Jurassic Worlds. So You're not missing anything. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, my my wife was like, oh, hey, what, Felicia? I could just say her name. She was a guest I think it's funny when you go, my wife. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, the one time we're over 100 episodes into this and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this person I've not introduced yet. Anyways, uh, Felicia turned to me and she was like, "Oh, are those the original Jurassic Park people coming back?" And I said, and I just like nodded my head, and she was like, "What?" And I was like, "It's it's it's not. We're we're, we're not seeing that. We're we're not doing it." She's not seen Jurassic Park. Well, it yet, comes out the so, week before. It comes out the week before Lightyear. So just say we gotta save our money for Lightyear. That's true. I will say if they would put Jurassic Park back out in theaters, I would definitely go back and see that. They, I've I've missed Jurassic Park has actually played a lot in theaters, and I've just always missed it for some reason. Because during the pandemic, mm. you know, in Chicago, all our theaters reopened because people actually wore their masks. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Uh, and so they put out a lot of older movies, and Jurassic Park was here for a couple weeks, but I just didn't get around time to see it. I gotcha. prioritized seeing Empire Strikes Back. Because Ooh, those Star yeah. Wars movies are even rarer in theaters. Yeah, because like Universal will still send out film prints to like, re- like the music box hypothetically, if they wanted to, could show Jurassic Park someday, and I'd go see it. Uh, they're never gonna get Star Wars probably because Disney hates them. Although they True. didn't hate them this time, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about Top Gun Mozzarella? So. I saw, second time I saw Doctor Strange, I saw it in Limax, which gave me a five-minute preview of Top Gun. And my thought on it was kind of that, similar to Lightyear, where I've liked actually every single trailer for Top Gun, even though I don't really like the first film. But I do also think, uh, hot take, maybe. Not really, though. I think Tom Cruise is, an, is probably the best action star we have in the last ten years. If Tom Cruise is in an action movie, with the exception of Jack Reacher 2, every single one in the last ten years have been worth it. Mm. worth seeing so and the reviews came out for top gun today i'm pretty excited for it but i got a five minute preview for it and i wasn't too excited for it but just it was more because i don't i don't see the point of giving me a long preview right before the movie came out if this was like say yeah. last like if this was with say with no way home and be like go see this dismay get hype started like try to re- restart the hype that'd be different but this being out in a few weeks makes me be like I'm going to see the movie anyway in two weeks. I'm going to see it. I have tickets to it already. But gotcha. Yeah. I think this this would have been like the, like your five minute preview would have been the perfect thing to bring back to theaters. Like when theaters reopened, you yeah. know, big if they are if they already had that made because this movie's been in production for quite a while. So I like that would have been the big thing to do, but. It's been delayed just because Paramount, uh, Paramount as a studio is really struggling uh, with adjusting. And actually, they're having a really good year. I'm really happy for them because it looked for a while, even before the pandemic, that mm-hmm. they might have to close shop because mm. they just kept being destroyed. But so far this year, they rebooted Scream. It did really well. 
They the Channing Tatum comedy with Sandra Bullock that did really well. Uh, they currently have the biggest non-Marvel film of the year, or non-superhero movie of the year, with Sonic 2. And I think this will be a big hit for them, too. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why they kept pushing it back, because they knew they had something here, and they wanted to make sure they absolutely would get every bit of money from it. Do I think they could have put it out last November? Yes, but the main audience for Top Gun is older, people way older than us. So I think they wanted to make sure the older crowd would come back, too, for it. So. Well, and did the or did the first Top Gun release... Summer, summer wise, yeah, it released summer, so it was a blockbuster. Yeah. So it was the biggest movie of the year. It came out, yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, you're trying to tap into a little like nostalgia the right way there. The people who went to the movie theaters that first time to see Top Gun, and now they want to take know, their kids and their grandkids to it. Yeah, now they want to go back and be like, "This is where uh, I took I, your grandmother out on are, our first date." Are you going to see it? I, but, I actually think it looks really good. I. I I'm not a fan of the first Top Gun. Me neither. I just like new crew stuff, you know. But yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, I I probably won't because there's gonna be Thor Thor's coming out, and like there's a whole bunch of other stuff coming out during the summer that I'll probably. Top. Well, okay. Give I'm not gonna push to, you to but, say it. It's just that Top Gun actually is in a weird spot where it comes out in about two weeks. And then oh nothing- yeah. Of worth for you would come out to Lightyear, which is another month later after that. Gotcha. I say it's for you because Jurassic World comes out at that point. So oh, yeah. 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 So if you, I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to push you to see, even if I really like it because it's, it's Top Gun. But like, if you are looking for a movie to see in those weeks, Top Gun's probably going to be your best choice unless you want to go back to Multiverse of Madness. True. True. Yeah. yeah. Uh, honestly, if Multiverse of Madness is still in, I would probably go back and see that. Um, yeah, I might go see it a third time too. Uh, for our thoughts Uh, (laughs) right uh (laughs) now i i don't know how top gun i like i don't know if they'll stay in training the whole time the i with current rush like russian stuff going on i'm very curious uh, yeah that's what i'm like geopolitics yeah i'm like i don't know how that film's gonna work it out because the first top gun like was leaning, pointing heavily towards, uh, towards things. So yeah, I don't know how this one will do, but Danny will find out in a couple weeks when yeah. he sees it. So yeah, so and now and finally the long-awaited the for ten years, people have been longer, waiting for this a trailer. longer delayed, a de- longer delayed movie than Top Gun Two, which might I remind you was supposed to come out in twenty nineteen. Top Gun Two, so. Avatar, too long to wait for a sequel. I'm kidding, James Cameron. Take my money. The Way of Water. Wet rope. It's all set. We're not going to say where it <laughs> came from. Uh, but, uh, well, what do you think of it? You saw the trailer before me because when I saw yeah. Doctor Strange the first time, they actually did show this trailer. I saw it with former po- guests of the podcast, Julius. He said the audience laughed at it, which makes sense when we talk about our audience experiences. I'll explain when we get there. So I'm kind of glad I missed it there. But then I saw it again in IMAX almost exclusively just to see the Avatar 2 trailer. Mm. And also because I wanted to watch the movie again just because I like the movie. Uh, You didn't didn't catch it in 3D. I didn't do it in 3D. And you know what? And I'll get into this when we talk about the movie too. Uh, I'm starting to realize that I don't actually like IMAX as a format. It's not mm. IMAX level. And the reason I say that is the Avatar 2 trailer is in the IMAX. Because I think it is designed for the full IMAX format. 
But yeah, obviously, if I saw it in IMAX, it's only going to fill up to the screen of what it is. Um, mm. And so, to me, it gives you more of an aspect ratio that looks like television, which yeah. is a little bit of a disappointment. I haven't had a chance to watch the trailer at home yet, even though I want to, just mm-hmm. to see it in the correct aspect ratio. It's on YouTube ads now, so it's it's everywhere now. Yeah, but my other, my other, I was actually a little underwhelmed personally, just a little bit, not too. Much, I just a I bit. was. <laughs> See, in a, at first, I was I was kind of like like it definitely this this trailer, and I think this is the first time I ever ever said this about a trailer. Like, it definitely deserves the big screen, you know, just that experience of just taking taking that all in. Um, and I told I, would I told say Felicia the first I was like for Force Awakens deserved it too. Sorry, I just want to say that. On the, oh the yeah, first the first for trailer Awakens. for Force Awakens was really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I was. I was like. I was. I told Felicia I was like. There are. There's. There are. There are. There's a whole generation of kids that like have no idea what this like. The little kids that are like, I want to go see Doctor Strange. They were like some eight year olds in the row in front of me and uh they were like i want to see dr strange and like they don't know what avatar is like i mean they do if they've seen it at home but But they weren't there for the hype they weren't for there for the hype of when it first came out you know i work with kids i can um, if i pulled them and asked them who's seen avatar i'll be honest the answer would be probably about 80% of them. And then I would explain, no, I'm talking about the blue people one. And they'd be like, oh, you mean the blue arrow on the head? And I'd be like, no, I'm talking about the blue cat yeah, people. Yeah. And they'd be like, what are you talking about, Danny? There's only one avatar. Well, there's two avatars. The other one's Korra. And that would be how the whole conversation, and I'd give up at that point. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because <laughs> so, those so shows I, are on Netflix and now, so they can watch it there. Uh, but true, anyway, true. Yeah. But yeah, I basically, it's just like, the the hype i don't know like the hype is 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 back again for this type of this type of movie and it just kind of reminds me like it takes me back because i was like in i was young teenage was, years when the first one 14, came out so you would have been gotcha. 16 right aren't you two years old yeah yeah you would have been 16 i was 14 i, think, I saw avatar i think so um did you see it That's, in theaters i saw it in 3d then I watched it again at home oh. six months later. It came yeah. out in 09. It came out in 09. I was 14, yeah. so you would have been 16. In 09? Oh, yeah. then I would have yeah. been 15. Well, it was December. So it was the end of December. It. So that was whole... 14 then. Yeah. Yeah. So. Huh? Yeah. Because 09. So I would have Wait, been my 14 or. No, I'm 14 in 2009 because I was born in 95. This is us trying to figure out how old we are, guys. <laughs> I was born in '94, so what the heck, <laughs> we were wow. closer in age than what we thought. <laughs> wow, this is a this is a live live revelation on why he is. <laughs> we always talk about how much older Tyler is. He's not that much. When's your birthday again? How much older are you? March, March '94. So you're like you're about a year and a fourth older than me. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I guess that's it's, funny. Yeah. Well, I you're like, you as my, you're like, no, I, I was 14, and I'm like, no, you, I was 14. Aren't you, aren't you two years older than me in terms of school year, though? Like, didn't you graduate I, high school in 2012? Yes. 
Yeah, so yeah. That, that's there you go. That's that's where it comes from. So anyway, <laughs> let's go back to Avatar two, and then we got to Doctor Strange, <laughs> Avatar <laughs> two. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, like I said, James Cameron, take my money. I I already want to see this, and um, I believe you had said that they're re-releasing the first in September. The first one remastered. Yeah. So I'm. Are they re-releasing it in theaters or theaters? Theaters. It'll be yeah. 3D. So presumably yeah. some 2D showings. Uh, I will personally go downtown to the one theater that has. Well, actually, no, because if my local theater shows it in Dolby 3D, I'd rather see it at my local theater because mm. aspect ratio thing again. Um, yeah, the Dolby's in Chicago are different aspect ratios, so you got to choose which one you go to depending on what the film's aspect ratio is. It's gotcha. really weird, but gotcha. also it makes a lot of sense because then you're like. Like, for example, I'll just say briefly, like, if I went to see The Northman mm-hmm. at my local Dolby, there would be black bars on the whole side of the screen. But since I mm. saw it downtown at the Dolby by where Julius lives, um, filled the whole screen. But meanwhile, if I saw a movie like Doctor Strange downtown, there'd be black bars at the bottom of the screen. But by me, there's huh. none. So you gotta, you gotta pay attention to the aspect ratio before you go to a movie in Dolby. Interesting. In Chicago. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that is really interesting. uh, Yeah, I thought this looked good. Uh, The coolest shot of it's at the end of the thing. It really is just a teaser. Uh, Yeah, I guess it was just something also you know, like I'm going to talk about how like mind blowing it is, and it's like "Mm, looks like Avatar, which is fine. It should look like Avatar, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like a as radical jump forward as I thought it would be until we get those water shots, and I go, oh wait, all right. So the they're marketing the water for a reason. This water stuff's going to be crazy. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I I hope so with a subtitle like the way the of way, water. Yeah, you know the other subtitles might have leaked, and there are some really uh really funny ones in there. The way oh. of water is one of the more normal ones. <laughs> Probably oh, the most interesting. normal one, honestly. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, I just wonder which uh Disney. This is the unpopular unpopular Tyler opinion part of the show. I'm just wondering which Disney um cartoon that they'll be doing a rendition of this time because the first avatar was pocahontas oh so i don't know what they'll do this time i thought you're making a reference on how in doctor strange uh you briefly see them watching tv and i'll say this before general thoughts this is a nice little tidbit i noticed that because you know they're in different dimensions and one of the dimensions wanda's kids are watching oswald the rabbit on tv which i thought was really clever because do you know who oswald the rabbit is Mm, nope Disney's first creation, who he then lost in rights, and in revenge, he invented Mickey Mouse. And obviously, Mickey Mouse stuck long oh, way longer. Yeah, so I thought it was yeah. really clever to have that in one of the other universe. Anyway, speaking of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it's time for our yes. general thoughts. Tyler, what did you think of this movie? This movie was really, really great. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with the movie, and I'm really glad that I saw Evil Dead 2 before yeah it made me it made me appreciate Raimi's direction even more and then i got to see him play around with that influence that with the mcu and um i did hear a criticism that this good criticism by the way that like this while this was a pg-13 movie this film reminded people of how far directors really can push the boundaries with PG 13 on what the, you know, how much they can do. Yeah. And that, uh, it's just kind of like, 
the MCU's been playing it safe for a while now. If you look, you know, look back at like what they did with this one, and then, um, yeah, and what they've done with prior PG thirteen. But overall, like, I it it's a two it was it was a two hour six minute film that felt longer and in a good I, sense. like I in, a good in a good sense, sense. Yeah, yeah, in a good sense because I was like. I got my, I got every dollar's worth of what was paid for that ticket. Yeah. Yeah. I just high praises and we'll get into the more specifics as we go along. Um, What are your general thoughts? Uh, I think this is by far the best new Marvel thing we've covered on this podcast. Uh, Mm. (laughs) Like rather easily. uh, I think. Uh, my the beginning of my letterbox review, my second one, my first letterbox review is me basically going, "Your desecration of reality will uh, not go unpunished." And then it's the meme of the guy who like has his hands against the wall and goes, "Ha ha ha! Yes, yes!" with the sickos thing. I don't know if you've seen that yeah. meme or not, but it's basically just I, that. I haven't, but yeah. Uh, well, uh, and then, but my second review, my main point is that I feel like. The most important word in the title is actually in. And the reason I say that is, is even though I do think you get a lot from this movie, if you've seen WandaVision, Doctor Strange, Infinity War, No Way Home, mm-hmm. I think this film exists more so as the first time we've ever seen a director come in, take these characters and make a movie just with, all right, I know what this archetype is of this character, this archetype is, let's make something good out of all of this and make it a Sam Raimi movie. Even more so than Ragnarok is a Taika Waititi movie. Even yeah. more so, because I think which, the only thing close to it is James Gunn. But the thing with James Gunn is that his direction is whatever, really. On it, like compared to the Sam Raimi, any director in the MCU besides maybe Branagh and Joe Johnston is whatever. Like really, like being very blunt about it. And Chloe, I'll say Chloe Zhao, but I don't think Chloe Zhao's strengths necessarily lie in blockbusters. You know what I mean? She's bringing yeah. her smaller thing. To the blockbuster, not yeah. since the other two I just mentioned. I I right. also think that uh, Zhao, the Marvel formula, still holds her back a little bit. But also, I don't know. I don't know if Zhao's uh, film type necessarily. I, I I I don't know how Marvel audiences would would latch on to something that. You know, well, I don't know how Marvel audiences are latching onto this because I've seen a lot of backlash for people saying who edits like this, who does. I'm like, uh, directors edit like this. This is what happens yeah. when Kevin Feige. I, honestly, I'll tell you what I think happened to this movie, and we might disagree a bit on this, and we can dig into it when we dig in. But this movie to me feels like, and it's not. I know, okay, before I say this, I know this isn't how it works because I've read interviews with the writer, and he says that he came on the same time as Raimi. But what this film mm-hmm. feels like to me is. Feige got the script, looked at it, and it was like, oh no, <laughs> we're going to need a director that can punch this up so that in the bad moments of this script, which I think there are quite a bit of personally. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll have a director that makes you completely forget about them. I'll just have Sam yep. do it because I know he can, give him complete control, and. We we get it. We get what for the first time ever, honestly, MCU. This feels more like a Sam Raimi movie than a Marvel movie, and I love mm-hmm. that about it. I love everything Our, about it. It's great. I I <laughs> have 
Are are you done with your general thoughts? Because I, yes, yes, okay. I have something that I want to. Okay, I have something that I want to pony off of that, and that is this one was like they were like, oh well, this is going to be the MCU's first horror film, and I think bringing Raimi to it, he does make it as close as to like a horror horror film as what it what that could be. Not in my favorite scene list, but that scene where Wanda is stalking them in like the sewers. So tense. You know what jump scare is going to come and how the yeah. filmmaking is. But then when it comes, you still jump. It's great. And you just, yes. To me, I was just smiling. I was like, this is amazing. They're letting him do whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When when she uh, contorts herself through the mirror, oh, I was so like, great. I was like, oh, this is I was like, this is so flipping good. Anybody else would have had her draw up a big red ball in her hand and just blast her way out of it. But Rainey's like, no, let's get creative with this. Let's go with let's, reflections in the pools of water. Like, Oh, it's so great. Yeah, it is it's so good. So much, and it's all shot brilliantly. And it's, yeah. it's shot and it's edited. And it, like, it feels, I hate to be like, it feels like an actual movie. Because I do think Marvel movies are actually movies. But this feels like something that is the voice of one person behind it. With yeah. everyone working together to get that voice out, despite the fact that the script still is stock Marvel. Yes. With the exception yeah. of a few things. I think the script only cares about one thing, and that's Strange's arc. And I think it does Strange's arc really well, but I think a lot of other stuff is just kind of okay. And the other thing I want to say about... Uh, wait, actually, I want to go back to my general thoughts very briefly for a minute. The main reason I say this feels like Raimi got the archetypes he was told and just did whatever he wanted with them is mm-hmm. because I legitimately think this movie is worse if you've seen the first Doctor Strange right before it because you're asking us to put all this care into the relationship with Christine which is not in the first movie whereas if this is like a standalone adventure where you're like this is Doctor Strange ex's girlfriend you're like oh okay yeah sure you can just go along with how the movie characterizes it and you know eventually I yeah. get to that place even if I did just rewatch Doctor Strange because I think Raimi's direction gets me to the point where it's sincere enough that I believe yep. it. Yeah. So I like how our speculation, we were like, why are they bringing the watch back? Why did they do like, and he took a freaking watch and made something spectacular out, out like it meant something. This movie. Yes. Meant something yes. The, I, it wasn't just the, another token, you know it. Yeah. I, I, I saw this movie with Julius. Okay. And when we left it the first time I was like, you know, the script wasn't really there, but you can tell it was Raimi's direction because I think on paper, the relationship between America Chavez and Strange is so underwritten. But at the end, when she's saying goodbye yeah. to him, I feel something. And, mm-hmm. and when Wong, when he bows to Wow at the end, Wong at the end, when he bows to Wong at the end, I felt something. Like, sorry, go on. <laughs> the, the fact that, the fact that, like, the way that uh, America runs to Doctor Strange there at the end, where she's training at the Comertage, and she runs to him, she's like like a little child running to their parent, you know. And she's like, "Look what I made today," you know. And it's just, I was like, "This is such a, it's such genuine acting going on between the two of them." And and Strange, like. There are scenes together. I mean, great. credit they have to so much chemistry. Yeah, they have, like so much like dad, like very big dad vibes from Doctor Strange. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. And I like that. Like 
both Raimi and Cumberbatch made sure that Strange still kept some of his jerkiness that we know is inherent of it. It's just part of him, you know? And I think, like, uh, I think that what's her name? Um, the love, his love interest. Christine, uh, Christine. 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 I was like, I can never remember her name. Um, Christine. I think that Christine even says something like along the lines of like, you're just straight forward, like to the point. It's, she says you, something you, along the lines of You're the one, you're the one like, holding the knife. That's what she says. Yeah. Yeah. You always have to, to be the one holding the knife. Basically, you know, you're the one that's always it, that always has to be in charge. And, if someone else comes up to you, like you're going to defuse the situation to get that power back to you, which is actually very toxic, you know, um, of a, of a thing. But, but I think that like Raimi makes us and Cumberbatch too, they make us care for strange. Like they, and it makes the fact that you're, you always have to be the one that, that has to have control. And then at the very end, He's he has to give up. He's like America. You're the one that's got it. You have to do this. You you know you've been doing it all this time. It's yeah. The reason this I say the one thing in the script that I think is absolutely brilliant is Cumberbatch and Strange's arc, and it's because and it's actually something I missed my first go round because I arrived a couple minutes late. You know what the first? Mm. I'm pretty sure the first two lines we hear in this movie from the alternate Strange are. It's this is the only way, and in the infinite scheme of the multiverse, your sacrifice means little. Yeah, the two lines yeah. we've heard from our strange before, so it immediately contextual. That's also why the first time I watched the movie, I'm like, oh, this is barely connected to the MCU. But then it, immediately in the movie, it's like this is the arc showing you that you were right to be mad at Strange for saying the only way for T- Tony Stark to die was Tony Stark to die. You were right to be like Spider Man was right to say you can still try to save these people. This is Strange finally learning that. He doesn't like there are other ways to save people than just taking the nuclear option. And yeah, for a guy who in these movies is constantly the jerk who's like, yeah, let's just get this over with, you know, like that is his character in all these movies, right? Uh, in Mm -hmm. like in his in his solo, not when he shows up in Teen Up movies, that's his role. So for this entire arc to be built around this and in such a compassionate way, it just generally feels. I'm really praising it because every other arc we've talked about in the MCU for this podcast, I feel like it's not as nuanced as what strange has here. And it's really brilliant in how we showcase it through the alternate stranges where that eventually leads and where it does in fact, eventually lead to for our strange at the end of the movie. Like he does get a kind that's another thing for the two is I saw this article I didn't read it. I just saw the headline, but I thought the headline was so stupid. It was Doctor Strange 2 could have used less cameos and more consequences. Now, you can mm. say whatever. You, we'll, we'll get into the cameos, but I think this is the first Marvel movie to actually tackle the idea of consequence, both from previous films and within the film itself. This is, yeah. and I have a joke about this with Mordo, but this is, in fact, the bill coming due. It's not Mordo's bill coming due because our Mordo never appears in this movie, but right. it is <laughs> Strange's bill that has accumulated over the past few films finally coming due in such a smart way that makes the rest of the script look even more sloppy. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but I, I do want to, uh, 
to touch. Sorry, I'm really gushing to, over touch this. Back on. No, it's it's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, you have every reason to. Um, I wanted to go back to like the the direction for like this being a horror film. Um, yeah, and I say horror film like parentheses because at the core of it, it is still an MCU film. It is still a mar- you know uh, Marvel but film. It's mostly a Sam Raimi film. It's mostly a Sam Raimi <laughs> film, and I think like that's that's what makes it so great. But I really like way way back like early production for this film. Um, Scott Derrickson was supposed to return to direct this. You know, he directed the first Doctor Strange film. Now, like he said, he left because it was he wanted to make it more horror of a horror film. And I'm just like, I don't know what else you were going to change. I, you know, I don't. He left for creative differences, but I really don't know. Was it the the you know? From what I've seen of Derrickson's horror, is Raimi's horror is cartoony. Like there are moments, uh, and I'll get to my crowd soon, where my audience was gleefully laughing, and we'll get to it. Trust me, at some of the kills, I was laughing at some of the kills because they're just so like wonderfully ghoulish. <laughs> they're just so like like having Captain Carter go, "I can do this all day," and then immediately get sliced in half by her yeah. shield. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's incredible. Uh, like, I think it's horror, but it's rainy horror. And even Evil Dead 2, it's gross, but it's a cartoon. You know what I mean? Like, the, yep. the tone yeah. of Evil Dead 2 is such a cartoony movie. Uh, and that's what this feels like when it gets to the uh, the horror aspects to me. With the exception of the sequence I already mentioned with Wanda and the sewers. Where, even then though, I'm like smiling at the horror. Because it's just so, like, rainy unhinged. Or like, oh, I oh, I want to make this joke. I've said this joke to a couple of friends about the movie. Is um, so one of my other runner up for favorite scene in this movie is when Wanda possesses, uh, the uh, the alternate Wanda. Uh, yeah, like in like the alternate Wanda is just having visions around her house and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So then our Wanda goes in her wadi body. She sh- stares at the camera. She breaks the fourth wall very deliberately. Which is like, oh, yes, thank you. Like, that's great. And then she's about to leave. But do you know what happened? Do you remember what happens? The boys stop I, her. I don't. You'll have to. The boys stop her. They go, mom, mom, you got to see this. You got to see this. And she's like, all right, I'll, I'll go see these boys. So I like, I'll call it and then I'll leave. And she mm-hmm. goes and they just go. They go. They're like, we like ice cream. So oh, very, yeah. very. And you know what that felt like to me? It felt like uh, felt like a reshoot, but in a good way. It felt like like Feech saw the original cut and was like, "All right, uh, it's good, Sam, but we gotta have there be a reason for people who haven't seen Wandavision to care about these kids." And Sam Raimi's just like, "Why?" And he's like, and "Kevin's like, it's gotta be in there, okay?" And he's like, "Okay, I'll just have him sing about ice cream or something, whatever." <laughs> like it, it really just felt like that to me. Like whatever. <laughs> Like it is such like a these are not like real kids. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like it felt again, it felt like to me like it was just bringing me toying with us again. It's like he's like, I know this is stupid, so it's gonna be stupid. <laughs> yeah, At least that was how I read that. Um, do you do you think that Billy and Tommy will ever come to the uh, 
this iteration of Billy and Tommy, do you think they'll ever come to the MCU? Or do you think we're going to get a different Wiccan and Speed introduced? I think America Chavez has been set up to be with this movie. She seems to be the clearest choice for the leader of the Young Avengers because mm-hmm. she's directly affiliated with two of the main people involved with the Avengers compared to everyone else right. we met who's kind of still off on their own. Uh, and America Chavez can go meet any Billy and Tommy. I still think it'd be cool to have these ones, uh, the kids, because I think it'd be fun to have really young kids in who are superheroes. None of yeah. these ones we met are super powered. And also, none of them seem to have a vision. Uh, that's one weird thing about the script is a vision is not in it, but also i don't yeah. really care like whatever <laughs> like there 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 are yeah there are two cameos that i thought there's there's one that i'm like the film could have used it and the other one is more for uh pizza papa just kind of gives me an answer i like no we got we yeah. got papa pizza yeah papa pizza pizza but, papa no i was just saying pizza he's the papa. Best yeah He's the best oh, cameo. Yeah, he is the best cameo. Uh, actually, if we want to talk about the cameos briefly, I think it is very funny how clear it is to me that Sam Raimi literally only respected one of the cameos. He was like, there's like he was told like, here's the scene, here's the cameo yeah. he's, he's like, oh sweet, I get to work with Prof- uh, Patrick Stewart. I respect those X-Men movies so much when I was doing Spider-Man. Oh, I gotta work with everyone else. All right, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's very clear the script only respects Xavier. And yeah, I feel like that yeah. has to be on like Raimi's like, well, I'll give Xavier a cool scene because I like X-Men. Like uh and we could talk more about the cameos later, but I would like to talk about the audience debate first. Yeah. Tyler, reiterate your position to our listeners to the podcast about what you think about people cheering and screaming at movies. To remind the audience, this uh, wait, wait, wait. To remind the audience, this argument <laughs> began when I said I really liked seeing No Way Home opening night because it was fun to cheer for everyone, and it was great being back in a the theater that was cheering. Tyler, go. Okay, if you want to cheer in a movie theater, go find an airport and cheer when the planes are landing. Because Danny's giving me the big thumbs down. Yeah, I, do I okay. ride a plane every day? Do I, do I ride a plane every day, or do I ride a plane every day? Which which is it? Tell me. You can watch movies. You can watch movies in the airport terminal, and then just cheer each time the plane lands. That's what I'm saying. It's uh, Tom Hanks. They filmed Tom Hanks doing it. I'm pretty sure that's what the terminal was about. I never saw the terminal, and I'm okay with it. I, I, I never terminal. did either. So everyone I'm just everyone says the terminal up. is like one of Spielberg's worst films. Oh, I saw I saw War of the Worlds the other day. It, I still haven't seen it. Sorry, but go on. You still have it? No, it wasn't. It it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Uh, Which is the better Tom Cruise? Minority Report is better. Everybody runs. Everybody Everybody runs. runs. Everybody runs. Out of respect for other people in the audience, I will stay quiet. And like, I will watch and enjoy the the moment on screen for what it is. And, you know, that way, like, I can kind of kind of be in my own headspace and just really enjoy it as is. And uh, and then I can allow by me being quiet, I can allow, you know, everyone else to to be quiet now. Like if there's something funny happening on happening on screen, like, yeah, we can all laugh and whatnot. But yeah, I well, in the cheesy words of Steven Tyler, I don't want to miss a thing. Well, 
here's my counterpoint to <laughs> one i saw this movie twice as you know uh second uh-huh. time i saw it was at a limax there was no audience reaction there on opening weekend tuesday so you can wait a couple days and not deal with it what is the limax up. where you literally recline and watch no, I, I just call it a limax because a real imax I don't want to get into it on the pod necessarily. Oh, I IMAX, get it. I get it. I get it. IMAX yeah. is yeah. like a full size IMAX. A LIMAX is a bit smaller. Um, so at the LIMAX, there was no interaction with the movie, even though it was opening week still. So you could wait a gotcha. couple of days and not deal with it. Now. Yeah. But the thing my, is, is, like, if I want to see it opening night. Okay. Like, okay. Well, I listen should... to me on why I think. My audience was the single best audience I've ever had a Marvel movie. They need to be cheering that. sections and non-cheering no, sections. No, listen to me, Tyler. I cheering saw this showings. at uh-huh. I saw this at the Music Box Theater, which is the art major art house theater in downtown Chicago, at a sold out showing in thirty five millimeter opening night. Which means picks, picks or it didn't happen. I have picks. It's on the Twitter account. Anyways, yeah. So my audience was full of Raimi fans, not full of Marvel fans. When Krasinski showed up, half the audience cheered, the other half groaned. The biggest cheering in the movie, I'll tell you, the biggest cheering in the movie was the post credit scene of Bruce Campbell. That got the loudest cheering in the entire theater. Second largest thing, because it was an art house crowd, and this cracked me up so much, was the with Michael Stuhlberg credit in the credits. He got the second most applause at the movie, was just with Michael Stuhlberg. But like, Black Bolt getting his head caved in, that got huge screams of like cheering and joy. Uh, Every death got, the only Marvel cameo that got cheers, like legitimate cheers, was Xavier. Everything else was like a rainy moment got cheers. I started the applause at the brilliant line of who said the body had to be alive. And the entire audience joined with me as we watched Doctor Strange raised from the grave in Sam Raimi's action. It was a joyous experience that will never be replicated anywhere else. Because most people who like art house movies don't like Marvel movies. But the difference was, this was an entire crowd of people who have been starved for Sam Raimi content for nine years, packing in to see a movie for Sam Raimi, and getting overjoyed every time something that was incredibly Sam Raimi happened. When she, This was an audience, I guarantee you, no other audience in the world cheered, where Christine said, go back to hell! But we cheered because it was like Evil Dead. Like, it was so fun. Yeah. And it was literally like, it was basically like you were at a Sam Raimi convention watching this movie for the first time. And I legitimately, I will treasure that experience always more than any other Marvel audience. Because again, like with Spider-Man No Way Home, yeah, we just cheer because it's like, oh, green. And I, I, I'm disparaging, but if you listen back to my comments on No Way Home, I'll be like, it was great. But like, we, we cheer because we see the thing we recognize. Here we cheer because we see the thing we recognize that's a filmmaking technique. How often do you have that yeah. experience of an audience? People True. were there yeah. for Sam Raimi. And it was so great. Ah, I loved it. You can't tell me it was like you a know. plane because it's not. Again, it's again. I feel like no, no. Because here's the thing: is because I feel like the general, and I can agree with this. The general audience, like cheering at moments, it is a bit like, oh, I see the thing I like. It's great, uh, nostalgia. Like let's acknowledge that. But here it was like 
they actually let him get away with it, and the audience is psyched about that. So, that's my defense. At least this go around on the audience. I will never trade away the opportunity to see this movie with the audience I had. Because any other audience, I'd be looked at like a weirdo cheering at, at that moment. I've probably got a few weird looks in this audience, too. But the audience <laughs> should join in with me. The audience joined in with me. Uh, but yeah, I had a good time. Great time. Also, I got to say, for the record, Music Box, if you're listening to this, I saw the movie in 35mm and in Limax. It looked so, so much better on 35mm. Like, ridiculously. Oh my gosh. Don't go see a Marvel movie in Limax. It makes it look terrible. The aspect ratio makes it look like a TV show. And also, like, 35mm. If you ever see, I don't think you've ever seen a movie in 35mm, but you know what Dune did? Trust me, this is related. Did they shoot in 35 and then convert to digital? The opposite. They shot in digital, made a 35mm print master, and then scanned that 35mm print master as the master for the film. Oh, okay. Which gives it that grainy look that otherwise would yeah. not be given. Oh, and that that works so well because of and the then it sand. also it also meshes in the visual effects so much better. I saw it in IMAX. I'm like, this looks terrible. Some of these scenes, but on 35 millimeter, I was like, it looks a little like goofy, but like whatever. Like it's blended in with the foam grain, so you can buy into it. Mm-hmm. Great, glad Film I saw making it techniques. Film, film, cinema. <laughs> uh, all right, what else do we want to talk about with the movie? Uh, we didn't really talk about the cameos yet. If we want to talk about those, yeah. So the cameos, I want to start this off with I have seen uh, criticisms on Twitter that I myself deem invalid but um, they it's it's the the criticism that Doctor Strange 2 is a what there was one specific that I saw that actually led to an article that uh, they said something like it is a big it's a big rehashing corporate push or whatever like and i'm like i don't know what movie you saw that's so funny to me because it's so obvious it's so obvious Raimi hates this scene too like it's it is so evident and how quick we get in and out of it and how it really lacks any of his energy until the kills that yeah. he he hates this part too it's so obvious uh and it even feels kind of transgressive in a sense because he just kills him off immediately you know like yeah and I, I mean, we, I, th- I think we can both agree, Bruce Campbell is yeah, the Bruce top Campbell's, cameo of Bruce this. Campbell, yeah, yeah. Ball, second place, Xavier, third place. Yeah. Okay, I'm about to say something controversial. I oh. think, uh, despite his billing, I think Chiwetel Ejiofor in this film is basically a cameo. <laughs> like he, he is ba- functionally speaking, he is pretty much a cameo. Uh, He's, but if pretty much if, this the same character yeah yeah i i was actually jump back really quick my other thing with multi like it, you know how i was saying it's in the multiverse of madness yeah uh, very key part where that that vibe comes through is when dr strange sees mordo for the first time in the movie and goes oh that's mordo he's my arch enemy <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> even though we have not seen them be uh, against each other at all <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> but anyway uh but if i have to keep it to the actual cameos uh black bolt actually i thought it was i think it's actually really neat they brought back that actor uh i think yeah. it's really cool because that is uh, that is the actual black bolt from the 
the bad show in humans tv show that yeah that danny went all the way to hawaii to negotiate them bringing back the inhumans but instead he got he was able to get us black bolt in the multiverse of madness thank you danny he, he has the coolest the, he has one of the coolest work. scenes in the movie so like <laughs> yes he, he like uh, object like i Unless you're like disgusted by any level of gore, you have to say Black Bolt has the best, like one of the best scenes in the movie. It is yeah. by far the coolest thing that happens in this, uh, in terms of Wanda's powers, going full Matrix on him. Anyway, yeah, we're avoiding the elephant in the room. We're avoiding the elephant, and I kind of like it. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, but <laughs> Sir Pat- okay, so Sir Patrick Stewart, Stewart as Professor X, he's obviously he's not the live action x-men films yeah he's inspired brother cartoon and i think that's awesome because i don't think i wanted to hear the john ottman theme come on i know i know but when i when i heard the when i did hear the variation of the cartoon theme i was like okay that's cool. cool you know that that is cool because i i don't think that we will get that type of character again when they bring the X-Men to the yeah. MCU. And I'm totally cool with that. And that's actually why I'm cool with all of the cameos in the Illuminati here, because it's kind of like, this is something that we're not going to get again. They're all actors. It, you're probably going to get back much either. Cause LaShawn exactly is stuck in the past with Captain Marvel and Haley Atwell, obviously, you know, isn't in these movies yeah. anymore too. And uh, and so like in the thing, yeah, I thought, you know, I I said before when we had the uh, first when we we watched the first uh, episode of What If, uh, way back when, and which totally made us change how we did the podcast. But um, what if when when we watched (laughs) (laughs) we watched when we watched it i was like you know what i would totally i'd totally be cool with the captain carter in the mcu after seeing this i'm kind of like i'm i'm we got captain carter there for a little bit i'm cool it's fine it's sam raimi did a really good job having all these cameras there and being like this is why you don't want them which i think is a a good way to lead into our uh the elephant in the room which is yeah uh, which is exactly like giving us giving the fans what they wanted yeah which was john krasinski as mr fantastic okay i've been like wait, wait, okay wait, wait, yeah wait, wait, you know wait, wait, what wait. i could i could see what you've heard the phrase where it's like don't ever give people what they want because they once they get it they're gonna realize it's terrible right yeah like, something yeah on those lines that's this this is yeah <laughs> this is what that was talking about yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, specifically is what he was talking about <laughs> uh it's really impressive how I don't think John Krasinski is a great actor, and yet he still managed to disappoint me with his performance. <laughs> I, like he's he's reading off cue cards. It feels like yeah, like when he was trying to appeal to Wanda, I was like, dude, what what are you doing? <laughs> like, I, I guess it's uh, just like it was so it bad. made me think like, but, oh great, Emily Blunt's gonna be a single mom now. Because <laughs> he's like. <laughs> They they made that illusion. They gr- were like, so there there is a uh, there is a invi- like you have a yeah, they have a like, family a, mi- a Mrs. Storm somewhere right, and then he like he like stares for a little bit, like he's thinking like, do I tell him yes or no? 
And I don't know why that he lingers on it. I don't know why they like the camera. The cut wasn't soon. Like, well, maybe why the like cut was this long. Moment, but it doesn't feel like one. It doesn't. Uh, what's great but about that is he's like, just kind of. It's kind of like he's lying. Like he's he just gives, like, yeah, yeah. I I have family. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. He gives, he, but he gives a. He gives like nothing, which is why it's really funny that Olsen's response is so good. It's just like, good, then there'll be someone to take care of them. And then she immediately turns him into string cheese. It's great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Please don't. Br- I think everyone would agree after seeing. Well, okay, let me rephrase. I think everyone besides people who are just going to be like, no, I was right, 100%. Let's. We got it. We don't ever need to see him again in this role. No. There's no nope. no reason for it. Um, and it wasn't good. This is the also. This is also the reason why, like, I think the reason why we got Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic is it was like, you got your fan service, calm down, you know, you're good. Now, this is eventually, this is who your Mr. Fantastic is going to be. I hope it's a, this was Black Bolt. He was back. We're not doing the Inhumans ever. <laughs> I hope that's. Well, what that I, I don't is, mind. I don't mind down the road us doing it in humans, like maybe like ten years. From yeah, now. I think we but, need. I think we definitely we need, need space. Um, yeah, but what I was gonna say with Krasinski is also like you're not gonna have this guy be one of your new big faces of the MCU and then kill him off in his actual first appearance. He's also right. like way too big to want to commit to Marvel. It feels like a one one and done deal. Uh, and please have it be one and done deal. William Jackson Harper exists. Just saying, he'd be a good choice. William Jackson Harper, do it. Um, but yeah. Um, I all right. would be totally cool with Jonathan Majors. I'd be totally cool with Jonathan Majors being Mr. Fantastic. Have him be Mr. Fantastic and Kang. Let him acting in the actors. same there's room enough, with himself. There's a, I there's mean, enough good actors but in the world. There, are, there are other actors. Yeah, there are, are enough good actors. So, All right, let's begin to wind down because there are some things we haven't addressed yet that we need to before we even get to the other two things to address so about wanda yeah. <laughs> let's talk about wanda in general in this movie we haven't uh-huh. dedicated a lot of time to her um this is a follow-up to wandavision uh it's pretty telling that it doesn't feel like Raimi watched it but i don't really care uh like, like 100 I, I don't i don't care like they didn't watch the movie the show maybe it feels like a leap since last time we saw her but that's kind of just always what's going to be with this universe that you don't get like detailed updates on these characters when they're off screen. I think Olsen dives head force first into being a great, great villain for the MCU. I think she's a highlight of the film. I think she is single-handedly carrying those scenes where this is kind of what I was saying where the script is really bad is right. Okay. So I had this realization when the book of Vishanti is destroyed that I'm like, this movie so far has just been we're looking for America Chavez, and then we're looking for a book here. We're looking for another book here. And then in the other time of the universe, Elizabeth Olsen is looking for a temple that has a book. And it's just like, we're just looking for things. That is what this movie is. There is no actual plot going on here. <laughs> it is just... Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Elizabeth Olsen... Whereas the rest of the movie, it's pretty much just Raimi holding it together a lot of the time. Elizabeth Olsen is pretty much making those scenes with her and Wong work. I love Benedict Wong. He's not giving good material in the scenes at all. But no. Olsen is pretty much making it work on her own. Uh, 
I can get though why it's a disappointment for Wanda fans. Hundred percent understand that too, though. What about you? What do you think of Wanda in this movie? And like her, not only Olsen, but like her characterization. I thought that I don't, I don't, I don't really have a bone to pick with anything like with Wanda's characterization or uh, anything. I don't know. I just feel like I'm just really, ju- I'm just spinning tires here. I'm just okay. Spinning. Well, that's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I really, I really don't have any. Like, I thought that what the character was for this movie, like, was abs, like, absolutely. I thought it was, it was fantastic. Um, I think there was something that I had texted you. Um, oh, okay. So when Professor X. When, um, because I, I, there's criticism that that Wanda is it's 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 she has power and that she's not able to control it and therefore uh, a man has to come in and save her. Save her is like a lot of criticism and although it's interesting, cl- I think end, it's clearly America. it's America who saves her. Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly, and I th- I think like. I think the the movie totally unravels that criticism on its face uh because even though like even though it is America that comes in and saves the day Wanda also does it her herself Wanda is which we didn't get as much of this in the film but we see it in little in little bits um is that Wanda is trying to, Wanda's trying to Wanda and Scarlet Witch is trying to Scarlet Witch, and Scarlet yeah. Witch has more influence over Wanda because Scarlet Witch is being direct. You know, the Darkhold is being direct, like is directly influencing yeah. Scarlet Witch to get what the Darkhold wants. Um, and I think like Wanda understands like the choi- like the bad choices that she's made, and understands like the debt that has the bill that comes due with that. You know, I think, I think that she totally understands the stakes when professor X, you know, visits her consciousness and then sees her trapped underneath what, but a collapsed house, you know, that is all the way back from her childhood trauma. Like, I think that what that is saying is like, you know, the, the dark hold is not letting her, escape from from that the dark hold is keeping her trauma is using her trauma which wasn't necessarily resolved in wandavision it definitely wasn't definitely wasn't it yeah. wasn't it, she got a slap on the hand and then was told what you did was wrong and she was like okay i'm taking this down and you know and moved on and uh and i think like what this movie what this movie did is it's the the dark hold is not letting wanda resolve the trauma i think wanda the character wanda is ready to resolve that i think that she's had time to you know to realize like i'm i'm not bringing vision back and billy and tommy are like i want them both but i'm using them as coping as a coping mechanism you know and uh which is an extension of you know of WandaVision there. And that's what the Dark Holds latched onto. And and I don't know, I don't I don't think that that Wanda versus Scarlet Witch Dark Hold type stuff, I don't necessarily think that has been solved yet. 
I um, also think the uh, I also think going back to what I was saying all the way at the beginning of this, and I, we've hammered the home the beat, we've hammered it home a lot, but the script really does only care about Strange. I feel like a lot of Wanda's art comes through through Olsen's performance. Yes, yeah, yeah, and that's and that's really like my that's my thing is like because you'll find out obviously when we when we get the Why Is Awards that like Olsen really carried that that part of it and wanda wanda like all the stuff that i said that's all from audience analysis you know and obviously it's olsen that's the one that is portraying that and it's not necessarily outspoken like wanda saying i'm i'm sorry for everything that i did you know we don't we don't get that we don't we did not get a we still don't have a resolution to wanda's trauma and i think Yeah. yeah I think that'll come in a later movie. I hope it will, but uh, I would hope so too. I think it needs to be a movie too, yeah, not a show. Definitely. Was I? Oh, I was going to jump back and say very quickly: if they knew this is where they were going in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, which they did, how in the world was Monica's line allowed to remain in the last episode of WandaVision? How? <laughs> uh, the one what, where she's like her line. The one where it's like. They'll never know how much you sacrificed to Wanda because it just makes Monica look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah I I thought that line. How was, was that line? How was stupid. that left in? Because I knew this was coming up. It's different if it was going to come up and this was going to be like her redemption arc and helping Strange with something. But she's the villain of this movie. How do you let that leave that in for Monica? <laughs> yeah, uh. yeah. I I do think that like at a, it's almost like with Strange, who's like. Well, I knew that you did these bad things, but in the end, you would see, you'd see the bad things, and you're you're good, and you would do the right thing because you're you're a hero or whatever he says. And it's kind of like it's like that halo effect of, oh, well, you're a hero. You're you were with the Avengers. You were with you know these good guys or whatever. You were in the company of Captain America, so you're a good person. You'll always do the right thing. But Not, then, you, th- then you, know, you think that really, if you think about it, how much is Strange even talk to her? On right, Barely. yeah, yeah. And I, I was kind of like, I mean, yeah, sure. He had the time stone, and he was able to look at all of the different, you know, realities and possibilities but i saw this tweet from an awards blogger i follow which i know is definitely not who you should go to for your marvel takes but (laughs) he's like my main takeaway for multiverse of madness and wanda is that the avengers are terrible people and then he followed up saying in these movies we see that hawkeye's her friend she's friends with monica now after wandavision she has friends in the group and not a single one of them checked up on her during this stuff with the dark hole. No one bothered to see, hey, we should check in on Wanda after she did that thing in the town. And I'm like, they're kind of right. Like, yes, but like, I get that we see Hawkeye wants to retire with his family, but he basically is the person who saved Wanda. Why didn't he go check in on her? Why didn't some of these other people check in on her who we've seen interact with them in the movies? Mm-hmm. Like, like in between Ultron and Civil War, all those Avengers are apparently living in the same house. So isn't the new Captain America's job as leader of the Avengers to check in on the other Avengers? True. True. I yeah, I I honestly I'm I think I'm fine with the Avengers. I mean, they seem currently disbanded. Yeah, and I'm I'm honestly fine with the Avengers not necessarily ever banding back 
together. Like, I'm cool with the Young Avengers. I I think like that's cool, but also and like I think Suns. like and Midnight. But that's my point is like these smaller teams. I'm totally cool with these smaller teams popping up and stepping in, you know. And then when we have a big galactic threat like Galactus or um, Annihilus or Incursions that we hear about a lot in this movie. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like when we have these big, you know, these big, big events, um, I'm cool with these smaller teams all coming together and, you know, banding together to to fight. Um, I I think the Avengers had a really good send off in Endgame. And I think it's it's actually really cool to think about phase four is the world trying to figure out it depended so much on the Avengers and to solve all of its, you know, to solve its issues. And now it's kind of like, how does that world move on when it had this? I don't want to call them a Band-Aid, but when it had this solution that has suddenly been ripped away is now gone you know what i mean is gone yeah and i i don't know i'm i'm kind of kind of cool with that rather than it's always well the avengers have to get back together you know i i I think i'm cool with that and i think the comics give us plenty of teams to come you know like to come in and have the spotlight i agree yeah but anyways Uh, yeah okay and then i have i have two more scenes i want to talk about before we get to our score and post credits one of them is my good friend, Julius, and former guest of this podcast, favorite scene in this movie, that I think I saw as divisive. What was your thoughts on the music fight? I loved it. I, I thought it was great, too. I thought I it was, thought so it was fantastic. Yes. <laughs> it, like, when, it, when they sent out the first note, I was like, please have a, mu- ha- please have a sound. Like I was like, please have a, please be a musical note, please play yeah. that. And then when it did it, and then Other Strange responded back with more music. I was like, yes, this is what yeah. I want. And I was like, please more. And it get it gave us enough like of this like nerd nerd moment that we could all have. And it looks it's yeah. so good. I, I will say like this is I I think this is the first phase four. MCU film that I've seen uh, with Felicia that I was constantly looking over at her and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. Like I was like, I was like, yeah, that is really, that was really cool. I was like, and, and, yeah, I just think it's so, it's so funny. Side note. She oh, wait, said, wait, so wait, 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 let me have this straight. I'm not allowed to. Oh my gosh. The movie, oh my gosh. But you can go. That is really cool. <laughs> but I whispered it. But I whispered okay. it. So <laughs> there's a difference. So, so anyway, sitting behind you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, so. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, no, you're you're good. Uh, Felicia turns to me when we see John Krasinski the first time in his chair as Mister Fantastic, and she was like, "Oh, I am so excited! This is so cool!" And I and I was like. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. As, as and, I said, some of my then, audience cheered, but I was just like, I literally audio was like, <laughs> like I groan. Because if my audience is gonna, that's the one point where it's like, you know, you guys are gonna cheer loud, then I'm gonna groan at this. I don't get. I, that. I, I saw him there, and I was kind of like, all right, well now I know that I don't want him as Mister Fantastic. I was like, yeah, no, no, I'm good, pass. But uh, yeah. but yeah, no, I love the musical, the musical fight. Yeah. Love that moment. And the other thing I want to talk about here briefly 
which I mentioned is the moment I started cheering at, which is Zombie Strange with a cape of souls yes. flying to a temple of the Darkhold. Where we get these, I, the thing I think is so wonderful about that isn't even necessarily the zombie strange part, even though that's great. Like Wong being like, I don't even want to know. Also, yeah. by the way, side note, oh, you know, I'll, I'll go back to that when we're done with this. Uh, but what I love about that is the cuts back to Cumberbatch in the other dimension, just doing the weird zombie ticks in his own body while Rachel McAdams is just watching. Concerned. Yeah. <laughs> I I I also really liked uh, Zombie Strange tr- having this touching moment with uh, with in dialogue with uh, with America and like you just see half of his mouth like there are no lips and I'm like this is so comedic but it's also like holy crap this is a zombie <laughs> you know talking well, to it but it's just I can never care more for a zombie to. You know, what is so good about it, and this is so, it's such a Raimi thing about it, is that this movie is really lacking in what a lot of the other Marvel movies have, where they say something cool and then they undercut it. This movie just lets the moment be cool. And in this case, this sticks out to me because any other filmmaker would end that, or like, like, yeah, really, honestly, any other filmmaker would end that dramatic speech with like a joke about who's a zombie, like an audible joke that pauses the scene. But what we get instead. It's just strange giving a wink with a goofy sound effect, which is perfect. Like it's perfect because it still feels sincere. Yeah, but yeah, it still is like acknowledging that yes, this is a little also very fun. Was the zombie was the zombie makeup CG or was that all? Was that prosthetic or I gotta assume it's prosthetic because it's rainy. You know, it looked it looked prosthetic, and I was like bit like yes well yes i think it's also prosthetic because it's i think i'm 100 percent believe that's cumberbatch totally performing I'm pretty sure it is too top. yeah i don't think there's any digital t- touch-ups on it it's just him because you know he played frankenstein on the west end like he knows how to mm. be undead yeah uh, but yeah i i think that both doctor strange movies can be the rare marvel movies that can say their best part is their third act yeah like, they peak yeah. in the third act and that's not to say the other stuff isn't good, even though I do think the first half has a lot of issues, which we've already addressed. But this third act. <laughs> oh, and I want to say one last thing, and it's related to that. One line I said, I think for the re- first time ever in these recent Marvel movies, the trailer showed too much. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think it should have shown Zombie Strange. I definitely don't think, I think one of the big reasons for backlash on the cameos is that some people think they're underwhelming. They shouldn't have revealed Xavier because he was their biggest cameo. Yeah. They shouldn't have revealed him. It should have yeah. been a question all the way up to release. I don't think that they should have revealed any of the cameos. Even a shield oh. throw, you don't do that. You like Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, think definitely. you reveal it. I also think uh fun this is a fun audience reaction for me. You might have been annoyed by this, but it what you wonder what the biggest laughs in this movie was? What? Strange being like, so who do you have here? The Avengers, Hydra, Shield. We don't have any of those. Oh yeah, then who? And then he just goes, "We have the Illuminati." <laughs> <And> <laughs> my entire audience just burst out laughing at that. <laughs> Felicia, Felicia looked at me and she goes, "What?" And I, and I so wanted to be like, "Illuminati confirmed." Like, but I, uh, I, I was just like, 
I just kind of smiled. I nodded and I said, it's a comics thing. Like, it, it yes, is a comics thing, but there, it's just there is an actual Illuminati in the comics. Yes. It's the one joke that's played weird because if, if I'm right, Strange responds with a Luma what? And it's like, you should know what the Illuminati like. What yeah. that is? It, it's just be like a like, a, like and there should even be a response. It should just move on immediately because the audience thinks it's ridiculous, and there's no way they're gonna not think it's ridiculous. Oh, the uh, the cameo that I wanted that was unnecessary. I wanted Hank Pym to be a uh, part of. Well, I wanted Terrence Howard. I wanted him to be Sorry. a part of the Illuminati because I wanted him to be the one who created Ultron. Mm. And in well, Ultron to Richards. actually in Ultron to be like a successful Ultron, you know, which oh that like would make sense Richards. for Richards. Yeah, yeah it yeah. does make sense for Richards it was the Maxim to make foundation it. too. Yeah. Uh, what I thought also with it with uh, cameo the cameo I actually wanted. Did I text you this? The main cameo I wanted that we didn't get. Everyone's talking about Tom Cruise Iron Man like we were ever going to get that. No, no way. What we could have got was Justin Hammer Iron Man though. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh my. That would have been Sam Rockwell yeah. showing up. For Sam that, Rockwell that in a Raimi film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they'd be great. Give me a Raimi movie that's Sam Rockwell and Michael Stuhlberg that's low budget. That'd be really fun. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now post, we can talk about the, no, post we about the score. We didn't, we didn't talk about the score. Oh, yeah. The score. Okay. So I got a hot take in the multiverse somewhere. Mark Young. Is the Danny Elfman of his universe, so and the only reason the, the only Skellington. the only reason yeah. that I say this is because I heard Danny Elfman. Uh, I saw a video of Kevin Feige, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Sam Raimi, and Danny Elfman all walking into a screening of Multiverse of Madness and talking. And when Danny Elfman talked, I was like, "Is Mark Young talking?" And yeah. yeah. That is literally the old, that's the only reason. So, uh, congratulations, Mark. Uh, I thought you did really well with this score. I think, yeah, I think it's a good score. I do miss, weirdly enough, because I said I hated it in the original movie, but now that I've, I don't know why, I got stuck in my head a few weeks before, there's not a lot of the original Strange theme in here, which mm. is a bit of a disappointment. But I'll gladly take the Elfman score we got it, because... Besides the strange theme, there really wasn't much good in that Giacchino score. Nope. Uh, and there are moments in this where the music just swells and it feels great and you feel just happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Post credits. Um, I have a hot take. I love the Bruce Campbell one. The one with uh, it's reportedly Clea Strange. It is Clea. That's her yeah. name in the credits. She's yeah. Credit. She actually's in the credits. Sometimes they're not. That was. It was honestly, it was honestly kind of underwhelming, but well, it looked it like shoot. her her universe had been taken over by Dormammu. Which oh, my thought was I okay, legit. I didn't recognize Charlize Theron. I don't know why. I, I yeah. must have just been crazy. I don't know why. So Julie stood in Ivor. So he asked me who it was. And I'm like, uh, maybe it was a DH Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> <laughs> because I thought it was the quantum realm. It looked like she was going into the quantum realm to me. Yeah, uh, no, I, that looked like, was the, like then the, the, the uh, realm of was like, That was the other person was like, that's Charlize Theron. I was like, I'm so stupid. <laughs> How did I not recognize her voice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think that uh, there's a good possibility that Doctor Strange three 
we're going to get uh, the return of Dormammu and or uh, the guy with the bill. Uh, I also think it's going to be a yeah. romance because we know that she marries him in the comics. That's true. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Bring back Raimi. I know people don't like the romance in some of the Spider-Man movies, but in Spider-Man 1, it is beautiful. Um, and the fact that he does manage to mostly sell me on the Christine Strange relationship here is kind of crazy considering what he has to work off of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my opinion on the mid credit scene is I wish there was a way to do it with just Clea and not Strange. Because I think the last 10 seconds of this movie are so joyously Raimi cliffhanger that the fact that we see immediately Strange is fine is disappointing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, although I do also think the argument could be made. I like the ending with the silly like zoom in on the eye emerging and then cut to black and then credits. Yeah. But I also think the final shot being him fixing the watch would have been nice too. But mm, yeah. I think it'd be I think it might have been something where they tried that. Maybe they didn't, maybe they did. But I don't think that it would fit with It Rainey's doesn't fit not the Raimi's style. Well, yeah. it kind of is like the end of like Spider-Man 3 or yeah. Like, yeah. But um to me it's more that the credits have to be bombastic, obviously. So it'd be weird going from like that nice gentle moment to the credits. I love the POV yeah. shot though from the watch though. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, all right, we will now finally do. Oh, also, I didn't say Bruce Campbell came is great. Love the Evil Dev reference. Love him breaking the fourth wall. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, great. Audience exploded at that at mine. No one, like, people were just I like, saw it in a crowd of Sam Raimi like, fans. Oh, that's <laughs> true. But people were like, what? And then Felicia's like, that's all we get. And I was like, yeah, five. I was like, five more seconds of Bruce Campbell. I'll take it. But and it, I was like, his yeah, well, is just an Evil Dead reference. It's yeah. a guy whose hand is not behaving the way it should. It's great. Um, yeah. All right. Wise uh, words. Yep. Most valuable person, player, player. Prop. Hey, what is the name I've been saying most on this podcast? Tyler. Tyler. The second name I've been saying on this podcast. Is Sam Raimi. This is a Sam Raimi movie through and through. Maybe the script is a little lacking at points, but even when it does, he elevates it so much for the most part. Uh, and it's really special, not even to see an MC movie, but to see a blockbuster with such a defined vision behind it. I can't remember the last superhero movie that felt like this. I didn't say this hot take. Mm-hmm. Tyler would probably not agree with me on this because he said he thought the Batman was the best Batman movie ever made. I like this more than the Batman. I could see myself, and a part of it's because it's an hour shorter, I'll be completely honest with you, but I legitimately like this movie more than the Batman. I think it's more fun. I think it has actually stronger themes despite the much weaker script. Yeah. Uh, and I think... No, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah. I think Cumberbatch and Olsen can go toe to toe with anyone in the Batman, besides maybe Colin Farrell. Because Colin Farrell's really special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but even then, I think I was very impressed with this. As as the host of a Marvel podcast, you probably have noticed bags on Marvel more often than it compliments them. I was very impressed with this movie, with only a few little nitpicks here and there. It gets the rare four out of five from me, which. You remember last week I said pretty much every Marvel thing I've covered since we started this podcast that's new 
It's a 3.5 or lower with the exception of WandaVision. And I like this more than WandaVision. So. Um, for me, it gets a, it gets a four, 4.5 out of five. That's uh, very fair. And I don't remember what I gave Eternals. I definitely like this better than, than Eternals. I could see myself rewatching this on Disney plus like yeah. several times. Yeah. Like if I would like, this would be the type of movie you put on the background at a party and you just honestly, like, oh, honestly, yeah. <laughs> we, we said that about the first Avengers film where it's like, if it's on TV, you're like, yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah, sure. This yeah. is a film. This is a film that's like that. Like, yeah, yeah. I would, I would definitely, you know, just don't edit on, that black like, bolt oh, scene. Heck yeah. Don't edit that black bolt scene for TV. Okay. You got to give us all the gore. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, uh, it cuts to, uh, that's the moment when they cut to a commercial. <laughs> be, be so bad. Yeah, right. Go, go, you come back, it's John Krasinski going like, hey, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, I have a wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did, You needed to look more confused. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, sorry that I didn't do the right facial reaction on the podcast. <laughs> no, I was saying, like, oh, okay. I know Anyways, what you said. I know so what you said, my, yeah. my MVP is Elizabeth Olsen. She brings more to this character than what is given to her in the script. And I like, she totally makes this film. I don't save for a couple's scenes. I, you could almost say like, you could almost say this was an ensemble film between her and strange. And I think that's all from her. Despite her arc being not in the script. Sorry, go on. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite, yeah, I got what you're saying. Sorry, I got that you're part saying. not Sorry, being in the script. But, but yeah, what I'm saying is like, it's totally, Olsen elevates it, you know, to that level. She and takes it just over makes the screen want, whenever she's on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I want, I want more, more Wanda, more Scarlet Witch. I, you know, I'm wanting more of this. I made the, uh, it's I, really I told impressive Danny. How, yeah. Sorry, go on. Sorry. Uh, I told I told Danny uh, a couple days ago. I was like, you know, I would be totally cool with, you know, give us some time away from Scarlet Witch, sure, because um, we also need to cover other things happening in the universe, um, in the multiverse. But I'm totally cool with maybe Scarlet Witch, like maybe Mephisto comes along eventually sometime and is like, hey, Scarlet Witch, I need you to hunt down this guy who I gave powers to and he, you know, ran away with him. Ghost Rider, you know, for her to hunt down Ghost Rider. I, I don't know how that film would turn out. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, something like that. I, I want to, I want more of, of that, you know, and I also do want to see her in total control of her powers too, you know, I we've we've not reached reached that moment yet, but I think it is legitimately so impressive the work Elizabeth Olsen has put into this character in this and in WandaVision that has single handedly elevated her from a C list level Avenger to an A list level one that people are talking about. And yeah, it, it, I like I like one I love WandaVision and all I love this, but I would say in both projects the she is elevating a script that could be better. More here, more so here. I think most of the Wanda stuff in WandaVision is pretty good. But there are some moments here and there where it doesn't work. But she consistently has elevated her material. Yeah. It's really been something that's nice to see because she's like, well, they might give me a lot of material that's not great, but I'm going to make it great. And that's mm-hmm. really cool to see. Uh, what about favorite scene? 
All right. I explicitly did not talk about this at all because I want to lay out the whole scene beat by beat why I love this. Is I, it, I'll be quick. Don't worry. Don't worry. So Strange, America Chavez, and Mordo, the alternate Mordo, are all talking. And they're like, well, who cares? Wanda will just send another monster after us. And then Mordo's like, well, if she has the dark hold, something else might, and something worse might happen. The Scarlet Witch herself will come after you. And they're like, what do you mean? And then he explains the dreamwalking spell, but it immediately goes into this Sam Raimi montage. You know the kind I'm talking about. Yep. The type that's in Spider-Man 1, where we get t- t- multiple wonks on the screen at one point. We get America Chavez and Strange rotating around. My favorite thing is we get an overhead shot of Wanda sitting in like that circle of the temple, and then out of nowhere, Mordo's head just appears in it, while Danny Elfman's score is just beginning to rise and rise and rise. And then as soon as that's over, we the montage is done, right? So they're like, oh, we gotta go take care of Wanda then. We Strange stands up, and all of a sudden the camera starts distorting the image the way like they always do in these older movies that you never see anymore. And then Strange passes out, goes, You son of a bit. And then we iris in. No, he says bit. He does say bit. It like fades out. We iris in on just strange is like unconscious body, which is, you know, like, you know, what I'm talking about iris in, right? Yeah, what that is like, yeah, we iris in can't the screen is black for a second. And then we iris out on Wanda performing the spell oh, electric guitar plays. It is by far the one of the coolest scenes of this movie. But it's also a scene that would be absolutely a chore to sit through with any other director. It is Raimi's direction. The Raimi isms that elevate that scene. It is. Like that scene on and of itself shows you exactly why this movie works. Because it is a whatever MCU script that is being absolutely elevated by the direction in so many different ways. And it all happens rapid fire too. That's my favorite scene. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually. I just wanted uh, to gush about it. It's such a good. Well, I'm glad you told me about it because I had to go to the restroom at that time oh. yeah i okay i will say i you know usually the marvel films always have one moment where it's like okay now i know this is the time that i can go to the restroom i there was Whoa. it was there in Endgame, even a film that was like at the time it was like i've got to see every moment this one i was i didn't want to leave and i felt like i i was like it's two hours i i, I don't want to get up you know yeah i would say um I would honestly say it's worth seeing again just for the scene. <laughs> like yeah. it is, but I'd also say that you're right because in most with most of the directors, this would be the scene to skip. Yeah, but Sam Raimi and that's goes that's crazy on it. That's what <laughs> I is. That's what I assumed because I I was like, okay, it you know like the action's kind of kind of dying down. I I can I can go right now. Nope, nope. Raimi proved me wrong. Um, my favorite scene is Scarlet. I've got down Scarlet Witch shreds the Illuminati. And I put down slaughtered. This was my first twist and I changed it. I'm just I, go on. Uh, yeah. It's when people were like, oh, well, cameos, 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 multiverse, multiverse, multiverse. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, I don't know who's going to be in this film. Um, yeah. And I'm really glad that, like, Scarlet Witch is just like, Oh, you're you're a cameo. Bye. You're a cameo. Bye. You're a cameo. Bye. And there is there is no reverence for any of these characters, which is something that I don't think many other directors aside from Raimi 
would have the guts to do that. I don't think. I'm I think that Randy thinks think, it's legitimately stupid. They have to be in the movie. I'm willing to I, bet he no, was told I, they have to yeah. be. <laughs> and, but, but sorry, like the like how they break Professor X's neck and they show they show it. I think there would have been reverence there, like with a different director, that we wouldn't have got that. We would have got the sound of it, him in the dream world. He gets this look of alert on his face, and then we get the sound of it, and then we see, we go back to reality, or we go back to eight three eight or wherever they were, and yeah. you know, and we just see him slumped in the in his wheelchair, you know, and. Yeah, I don't want to argue too much on this because it's your point, but I actually think that shows more. I I have the opinion that the only cameo that Sam Raimi actually gives reverence, I think it's this already, was Xavier because, you know, the, he was in those movies when he was doing Spider-Man, right? Yeah, yeah. So bringing him back is kind of cool to him because he always wanted to have like Wolverine cameo on Spider-Man and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, and I'd say that to me, showing the neck break actually is more reverence mm. because it gives you more of like, Wow, Wanda did just kill this beloved X, a, a version of one of our beloved X Men characters. Yeah, from those Fox movies that we really liked, and so by showing the neck break and you actually getting to see the pain, like how much it, like the horror of it, and it's because the thing is, unlike the other kills, which are so goofy and fun, uh, again, Black Bolt, whoa, uh, this one is just like it's a neck break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but yeah. Just yeah. how she she just go like just they're like we are the Illuminati and then she's just like okay boom 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 whatever. boom whatever <laughs> yeah it's yeah great. yeah um the worst scene and we actually both agree agree yeah. on this one uh it's the attack on T- Carmitage at the beginning of the film uh, on rewatch it's and honestly first watch too I was a little bored at this point but on rewatch it's very evident that Sam Raimi is not in the scene at all. The camera's a little bland. There's not really anything going on. Uh, the only thing that I really remember from this is the, the thing that there's how you could tell Sam Raimi isn't into this scene. It's because Wong has the brilliantly cheesy line where he goes, fortify your minds. And he points to his own head. Yeah. And we see it from afar when he's in a crowd. If Raimi cared about the scene, that would be a ridiculous close up. You know it would be. Yes. That would be like, he, he would know it's a funny line. But in this case, it's just like, all right. Get through it so I can get to the mirror dimension stuff because that stuff's cool. That's my thought on it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I totally agree with what you had to say. Uh, and the thing that got me is strange. Said they make this big deal about their they're like fortifying Carmitage and everything. Yeah. And strange, and yeah. And <laughs> strange <laughs> says you're about to face the full wrath of Carmitage. My point is like <laughs> show us the full wrath of it, or on the opposite. Show us the full wrath of Scarlet Witch. Instead of her controlling one mind and making him be like hit that person fearful and like weakening the shield, have her make everyone but a select few of them be scared and just run, just abandon their posts. Yeah. And then you and then have her just use the red balls of energy to blast, you just blow up Carmitage, which is like this sacred place for them you know um yeah or the other hand you don't include this scene you find a different way for us to get into the multiverse you find a different way to start off the multiverse journey but uh i yeah i think if if you're going to show the full wrath of scarlet witch um and this is a script thing um 
not an Elizabeth Olsen thing. Uh, I think if you're going to show the full wrath of Scarlet Witch, this was this would have been the place to do it because we've yeah. had this place introduced way back in uh, was it Phase Three? Or, yeah, Doctor. Yeah, well, Phase it was Three, 2016. Yeah, yeah, Phase Three. We had it introduced way back in 2016. Yeah, it's 2022. I had to remind myself what year it was. <laughs> Six years later, you know, it's been around for a while, and there's Seven a reverence. True, there's re- there's reverence um, with with that place, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Best surprise. Uh, it's got to be. Well, you know what? I have listed Black Bolt Returns because let's be real, that is. By far, these cameos, I- I'll be honest, that's more of a surprise to me than any other cameo here. Because I thought Fiji wanted to bury that entirely. I mean, yeah. we do get a variant and we get a really cool death out of it. But I'll instead just, I'll actually say the best surprise is that Sam Raimi went full evil dead. Like, we, no one was expecting that from this. Like, we got the demons talking strange at the end. We got yeah. Rachel McAdams, like, blasting a demon going, go back to hell. Mm-hmm. Like, we went full evil dead, and it was a very pleasant surprise. So you know, I will say one thing that stopped me from fully appreciating the moment of Rachel McAdams saying "Go back to hell" is I was like, "Is that two L's or one?" <laughs> because um, <laughs> it's a, it. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, clever move, Danny. This is what you went to Hawaii. To negotiate last winter, so yeah, Evil Dead and Black Bolt. Oh no, I'm. I you don't have Evil saying. Dead. No, I'm not giving I you know, that one. I'm giving <laughs> you the Black Bolt. But okay, what was your surprise for me? It was John Krasinski as Mister Fantastic. Pretty sure his death confirms he will not be Universe Six One Six's Mister Fantastic. We finally got that fan service slash test out of the way, and it confirms what I thought to be true. Krasinski is not right for that role. Overall, though, it was a pleasant surprise. It was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I finally see it on, you know, it's not a what-if situation anymore. It's like, a, oh, yeah, okay. Yep, nope, he's definitely not I, for that I role. I saw, after the movie, I saw the leaked photos that came out the Monday before of him. And I'll tell you, if I'd seen them, I would have been convinced they were fake. Like, it really, even in the movie, mm. it's like, that just looks like a fan cast. It does, it's it so does. Bizarre. Yeah, um, it gives, it's honestly uncanny valley. It's, it's, it's a deep fake. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels. I'm it. If you told me it was a deep fake, I would believe you. <laughs> like, yeah. it feels like. Um, I do want to say one brief thing about Mr. Fantastic I didn't touch on, which is, was it nice to get this test out of the way? Yes, but it would have made audiences even happier to see killed. Which, granted, that's not that would be under a different director, you know, who actually likes the cameos. But Miles Teller got killed. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> the audience would have been cheering the whole time. Everyone who stood up and gave a standing ovation to that. <laughs> All right. No, Wanda makes it a point to go through to their universe and kill that Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should have been the post credit scene. She, she escaped to the Fox yeah. universe of Fantastic Four. Um, oh, All right. <laughs> uh, most excited to see more of. Well, generally, I want to see Raimi do another one of these, uh, where he gets the same amount of control he had here. Really love that. Maybe this time he brings on one of his own writers, then uh, the Loki guy who 
is writing his first movie instead of a TV show. Uh, maybe that won't work. Uh, if that doesn't count, I am excited. I wouldn't talk about her much, honestly, but I like America Chavez. I think the actress has great, great chemistry with pretty much everyone in this movie. Uh, and she has a lot of charisma, too. I can't wait to see her role develop. I did want to briefly mention this that we never came up, is that when they're going for the multiverse, they do briefly start stop in an animated verse. Yeah. Is this setup is this setup for Spider-Verse 2 or 3? Spider-Man uh, BC! Remember I called that? <laughs> well, I'm just saying that animated universe they go to, it looked a lot like Spider-Verse to me. Very po- Maybe they're setting up Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield being in the last Spider-Verse movie with Miles. Maybe. Very possible. Maybe. Because the thing is, Feige might hate Sony, but he everyone likes the Spider-Verse movies. Even Feige just said so. He said it's great. And like, he literally remade it in his own cinematic universe two years later. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I'm most excited to see more of Elizabeth Olsen's Wanda slash Scarlet Witch. She finally gets to showcase her acting abilities in WandaVision and Doc's Too Strange. And her character is easily a major highlight of uh, those experiences. Give me more. Um, yeah, I want I want more of that. Don't use her as a plot point. You know what I mean? Yeah, like she was very threatened to be at several points in this movie. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. All right, all right. We are wrapping it up because we're way over time. Yeah. There I was. I thought I was going to pass out forty minutes in this episode. Uh, thank you, Joe Schrimmer, for editing this episode. Thank you, Joe. Uh, we we've been talking about this movie probably since this podcast began. So it's kind of cool that we finally saw it and it lived up. Well, honestly, to me, it surpassed my hype. So, yeah, yeah, uh, me so too. It's always nice when that happens. It probably is the first time on this podcast that it has happened for me. So, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, join us next time. We will be talking about Captain Marvel and prep for Miss Marvel. We're going to have a couple of guests on. And it's going to be a good time because, well, we'll have guests. That'll be why it'll be a good time. Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankments for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. So we'll see you next week. We'll catch you in the next one.